I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and I'm joined today with Dr. Chris Smiley on More Than Just a Practitioner on today's OI show. Dr. Smiley, welcome. Yeah. Hey, Mila. It's great to be here. It's great to be with you this evening. I look forward to uh, chatting with you. This is awesome. So, Chris, um, we know you um, not only professionally as a um, uh, practice owner, but also, you know, we've seen you on the speaking and the lecturing circuit. We've seen you do, do articles and everything. But what I want to really pick your brain on tonight is a little bit about the history with vision professionals, your your practice. And for those of you that are unaware, Dr. Smiley is an owner of a five location practice. And Chris, I always thought it was old people that used to own multiple locations and multiple practices. But seeing that you're pretty much my age, now I realize it's a young person's thing. And that's, re- that's refreshing. But Chris, I'd love for you to take the audience back to like what your path was from optometry school and how you got that first practice. Because I want to take everybody through kind of really your course and your path on what that was and what that looked like to multiple location ownership. So take us back to when you graduated optometry school, what that path was to your first practice. Sure. You know, I, during optometry school, I worked through with my personal eye doctor. He was a great guy. I did some lab work while in optometry school for him. And he always said he wanted me to come work for him when I graduated. But about our third year, right before the eyeball, I don't know if every school of optometry has an eyeball. We went to lunch and he goes, broke some news. He said, gosh, Chris, I, I think I want to remain solo. I, I, I don't want to hold you back. And my heart was sunk because this person was like a father figure to me. And I, I thought, gosh, Central Ohio, it's really hard to find a job. It's really hard to find opportunities. But I think there was a, a guiding pulse, this something in my blood that said, I really just, I need to do this on my own. I need to, I need to be a business owner. And I think you know, we get a taste of that on Tommy School, interacting with other business owners. You look at them and like, these guys are really cool. I, I want to be like these guys. <clears throat> but how to do that was this big enigma. We didn't have the internet to Google stuff. So it, it was hard to really figure out what that path might be and find those resources. So I just started and I'm like, well, maybe I'll partner up with somebody. So I found all the optometrists that graduated from Central Ohio. Most of them are from Ohio State. And I found the oldest ones and I started shadowing. And I just called them up and said, hey, I just want to shadow your practice and, and see what you think. And I didn't make it too far. I, I shadowed a doctor and he goes, there's this great area in New Albany that's kind of an up and coming area in Columbus. And there was one optometry practice for sale. And the owner also owned another optometry practice that was where I grew up that had been for sale for a while. And it was supposedly, they were just supposedly asking too much for it. Nobody had bought it yet. So Chris, this is while you're in optometry school, you're pursuing all of this. Yes. This is about my third year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we spent a lot of time studying for exams, studying for boards. And, and the one thing I tell students is you really have to spend some time planning for your career. And you, there's, there's no, it's not too early to start. You don't have to wait till you have your OD degree to start. But I do recognize that some of the, the students are at a disadvantage if they want to practice in a place that's far from where they're in school. It does make it a little harder to network and, and do those things. But um, there are ways, you know, we can interact with sales reps. We can go to a local meeting um, to try to meet those folks. But yeah, I did all this in optometry school. It is quite a path. So 
Yeah, it sounds like it, Chris. So you're you're in your third year now. So you're shadowing. You're hearing about these opportunities where you grew up. C- continue the story here. Yeah. So I I emailed this gentleman that had this practice in both New Albany and Worthington, knowing that it had been for sale for a while. He had moved on to be a regional director or director for laser eye centers as laser centers were exploding. And he was just ready to sell his practice. He had kind of committed full time to laser vision correction and recognized he was asking a little too much for his practice. So he had it reappraised. And from there, I kind of started interacting with him, going to lunch with him and and showed a strong interest. At the same time, I really didn't know I had a about a hundred grand negative net worth. So I didn't know how I was going to do this. You're referring to your student loan, right, Chris? Yeah, exactly. That's refreshing. And this is, put us back in the air. Was it 2001 that you graduated? I'm a 2001 graduate, yes. That, that, I mean, you know, you translate that to today's dollars, you're talking to to $250,000. I mean, so you're- Oh, for sure. You're in debt. You're you're somebody who's debt free. And I was about average. So there were a lot of people, you know, that had higher than me and a lot, that had last, but uh, I was kind of in the middle of the range there. Um, so I bought a book on how to buy a business, how to start a business and, and how to write a business plan. And I wrote a business plan out and I recognized that these banks wanted money down and I didn't have that money down. So um, what we did was, is I worked with an, I found an attorney and we came up with an idea to see if the seller would self-finance a portion of the sale. And um, lo and behold, when that happens and the seller subordinates the lien, meaning the seller takes a second position on the assets, a lot of banks are really ready and open to lend uh, for practice purchases. And a lot of these young ODs out there still have those opportunities. And sometimes right now, there's even banks that do 100% financing. At the time, I couldn't find those opportunities, but uh, we made it work. And uh, the day I got licensed, I also signed to buy a two location practice. <laughs> and I saw my first patient, and I go, Oh, boy, what did I get myself into? And uh, it's been a labor of love ever since. Now, Chris, was there any other optometrists that were working at the practice? There was not. No, the um, we ended up one of the doctors moved away that was covering and another doctor actually decided to work for a laser competitor laser vision center herself so we had some fill-in doctors mm-hmm. kind of come in for about three or four months before my ownership took over um, so when i came in it was purely mine i mean there was no one else there it was just you and how long were you by yourself for before you brought in like a first um, associate doctor? well it's funny we actually brought in some help for saturdays um, but 2001, 9 11 hit. And uh, for those of us that were in practice then, we realized patients kind of stopped coming in for a little while. So it was a little scary. So I decided just to go solo. We didn't have a lot of backlog or a lot of demand. The practice was one that kind of was sold too late. It was getting to the point where it was, it was run down. It didn't, a lot of patients had left. And so here I had this nice book of patients, a very successful practice, specialty lens practice at one time. And uh, it was my task to bring it back to life. So Chris, so, so just so we're clear on this timeline, it's May, April, May of 2001, you sign the practice, you're, you're the owner and then 9-11 hits. That's correct. Yeah. That, that, that had to be um, 
that had to be unbelievable, Chris. The weight, the weight of that as a young practitioner on your shoulders had to be kind of an unbelievable experience. It, it, it was like, wow, I'm starting on my own and I'm going to sink this battleship right away. You know, fortunately, I had some deferments on some loans that were six months deferred. My student loans hadn't kicked in yet. And so in hindsight, timing couldn't have been better. But boy, it, it kind of made getting through this more recent pandemic quite easy. I mean, <laughs> I can't, I, I shouldn't say that it was easy, but it, it made it, it kind of brought me back to my past. I'm like, okay, I've been through this before. I can do this. I was going to say, you've always been a cool cucumber when it came to business things. And you always wonder how somebody develops that acumen or that ability. And now I know you, you as a young practitioner and as a young business owner on your own, you went through arguably one of the toughest, most challenging times. And, and Mila, add to that, I actually had a, the front desk person was embezzling uh, when I bought the practice too. So we dealt with that. We were going through the books and they, they did paper ledgers at that time and computer and nothing added up. So um, we spent a lot of time over the weekends going through the books. Like, this doesn't add up. This We found this cash missing and and um, ended up calling the police and uh, filing a report. And they, they did investigations, subpoenaed her bank records, and they came to the office and put her in handcuffs and took her out. But uh, that led a nice example for future employees to know what happens when you, when you try to steal. But uh, yeah. Chris, at that point, did you feel like, hmm, if there's anything else I could go wrong, it's probably going to happen to me as a business owner? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it really set the stage for the full thing. I mean, how could I... How could much worse go other than failing, you know? And and that's really what kept me going is, is I'm too determined. I have to win. I can't fail. Well, I, I think that's something that regardless of the business owners that we talk to, um, you know, as optometry business owners, you're always a healthcare practitioner one, but there's there's something else that drives that desire for for business ownership. And I think it's more than sometimes logic describes. There's a tenacity there. There's a level yeah. of that has to be present. But Chris... So now you're now you're at two locations, one practitioner. Tell us what the next evolution in your practice. Well, I think we stayed that way for quite some time. We did some building moves in that time frame to uh, one facility needed downgraded. It was just too big. Occupancy cost was too high. Um, it was inefficient use of space. Um, one we upgraded, and just you know I. In a saturated area like this, we weren't in an area where we were going to double our practice in a year. We, we just weren't like that. You know, nice, steady 10% growth year over year. Um, some of the earlier years, we may have had 20, 25% growth, but uh, that's sort of our benchmark. We look to that 10% mark. And then as having two locations and needing to cover it, it made sense to bring in an associate and, and do the first associate. And I think for those of you looking to work for another doctor, I think that's the hardest thing for a a solo doctor do is bring in their first associate because it does have a initially a big negative impact on cash flow, but yet it's a necessary step to get to that next level. You have to have to master that. Yep. So you bring in the second associate, you have two locations, and then Chris, what's what's the next step after that? And give us a kind of a timeline on that next location and how that happened. Yeah, so I probably was about 14 years in, and I decided that I, I saw what was going on in the marketplace with private equity buying practices. And I thought, gosh, if I'm, and I, and 
fortunately being in consulting and, and Mila, you do the same thing. We've been into a lot of optometry practices all over the U S and you can just see some great businesses and something happens to the owner or, um, they just get pushed out of the market if they don't evolve. And so I thought, gosh, this is what's happening in the market. I'm going to be competing with big practices and I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor owned practice. I'm going to put my emphasis on care and quality. And, and I think I can beat these guys. I think I can do better. Um, and, and they're great competitors and they're great to have, but I think we can do it better. And so I decided to reach out and let, let's do a number three. And it, it, having an extra practice made it also easier to bring on another associate. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, once you get that good word of mouth. Chris, did you say bringing in another associate was easier because like maybe if you didn't have a full-time position or something at one location, they could be at two of the locations to help kind of. Um... Yes, exactly. Exactly. So going from doctor number two to doctor number three was a lot easier because each doctor didn't have to give up that much. Mm-hmm. And then from there in the last probably six, seven years, you've gone from three locations, three practitioners to five. And how many practitioners do you have now, Chris? Um, we're, we're, we're at eight. Okay. Have eight docs. Um, not all are full time, uh, but we have eight doctors. That's great. And I'll tell you too, Chris, the one thing that I've always admired about you is, again, you don't, you don't stand still. You really um, understand where the new technologies from a, not only a diagnostic, but a therapeutic perspective are to help enhance the patient experience. And um, you, as much as anyone is, is first uh, in class to really embrace those things. I think that's part of the reason why I think there's this natural attraction to want to practice with somebody um, like you, Chris, because you're, you're not a, you're not a practice that stays stagnant. You're very fluid and you're transitioning and evolving as you're practicing as well too yeah i would agree and and we're bringing in all the subspecialties to expand just to differentiate ourselves and, and really that's what patients want you know when you bring in the young doc that does pediatrics and vision therapy you have their whole families um, that opens the door to myopia control um, we have somebody that subleases some space that's a retired doc that does low vision so we truly offer full service optometry and that's hard to find so Chris, um, you know, everybody, everybody listening to this podcast is going to want to know, you have five locations, you're a doctor. Are you still seeing patients? I sure am. I see patients two days a week and right now we're short of docs. So I, I'm going in a couple full days every other week extra, but yeah, I burn the midnight oil a lot. I burn the midnight oil a lot. <laughs> Chris, as a single owner managing all of that, God love you. I mean, I, I look at people like you and think, man, this is, if everybody worked at, as hard as Chris Smiley did, um, the profession is in a great place right now, but we'd even be in a better place. If everybody well, the, and the key really is finding good people and people that you can trust, people that can understand and feel your vision. That can be another OD that works along with you, but that doesn't necessarily have to be another OD. You can, you can bring forth good opticians, good business people, um, people good acumen to help make you better. You learned that lesson very early on in your career, Chris, about two to three months after graduation with the embezzlement. <laughs> so yeah. more than anybody, I think you'd, uh, you'd be a great, great, great uh, person to understand trusting people uh, just going through that experience. For sure, for sure. 
Well, Chris, listen, um, this was awesome. You know, the, the, the reach on this podcast is so wide. There's students listening. There's, um, there's young graduates, the, that kind of category zero to five years. And then there's more seasoned clinicians as well, too. And I think just from this discussion, there's just been so many little nuggets and pearls that we've pulled out of this. And, and Chris, thank you for being a guest on our podcast. We, we'd, love, we'd love to have you back. You're just such a wealth of knowledge not only on the clinical side of things, but even on the practice. So thank you for being here. Very good. Thank you, guys. And uh, there's lots of opportunities out there. we got a lot of retiring ODs. And uh, my advice is don't wait. Just just go for it. Just go for it. You'll, you won't look back. Chris, thank you. And thank you all for joining us in this episode of The OI Show. 